myth, magic, medicine, and everything in between. Two doctors talking. Hi, and welcome again to Myth, Magic, Medicine with me, Denise Villamahia. And today my guest is Amita Kumar, a physician originally from Canada, who came to the US and then went to Ireland and then came back to the US. And she's <laughs> going to tell us all about herself. Hi, Amita, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you so much. It's great to be here. Um, I'm in a really interesting position in my life right now. Um, it feels scary and strange and fun and exciting all at the same time, because like you said, I'm a physician and the last time I thought about what I wanted to do, I was eight years old, yeah. you know, when I was about eight, somebody said, what do you want to do when you grow up? Well, actually my grandfather told me that I was going to be a doctor when I grew up. And then I realized I wanted to be a doctor when I grew up. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I became a doctor and then a mom and a wife and all the things. And, you know, 10 years go by now, my kids are 11 and 13 and things are sort of, I'm scared to say settled, uh, mm -hmm. but settling, right? I'm, mm -hmm. I'm well into my career. My kids are a little older and I love primary care medicine. You're, you're primary care, but you're internal medicine? Yeah, primary care, mm -hmm. but internal medicine, correct. Um, when we moved to San Antonio, that's where I live now, I went part-time, mm -hmm. meaning three days a week in the office. And then, you know, I did all the other stuff on the other days, the not fun stuff on the other days. And um, after many years, like seven years at my current practice, um, I kind of decided that I wanted to evolve. You know, it was time for me to do more for the system. Um, that's, mm -hmm. I'm a little hesitant when I say that because it's really scary sounding and <laughs> very daunting. And by no means, uh, I mean, I'm sure that people even would consider me maybe a little delusional in this. Can I, can I just interrupt you for a minute? What part of the system? That's a massive <laughs> system. <laughs> Good question. No idea. I'm just exploring. Okay. Um, for me, like there's, of course, so many parts. Uh, and as a primary care doctor, there's everything. Um, mm -hmm. I just knew that I had to do something more than see patients day in, day out. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously that's important that the service I'm providing is important, but also for me, it's what makes me, me in my mind in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. um, you know, taking care of patients. And for a, a year or two, I really felt like if I just talk to my patients about things, which I still think is true, then they will talk to the next person. They will talk to the next person. And it's right. like a ripple effect, right? So I believe in the ripple effect, but it was not fast enough. <laughs> at the moment well, um, go find some big boulders to start throwing in the sea okay <laughs> something like that so um of course you know the universe starts throwing signs at you when when you open your mind to it um and sure enough right there in the like you know texas medical association email which i'm sure i get regularly except i never noticed before mm -hmm. um it said right there first tuesdays at the capitol like in austin right that's an hour away which mm -hmm. means Texas Medical Association is going to lobby in Austin. I'm Good. Like, what what are they lobbying for, pray tell? So several things. Um, okay. We were there a couple weeks ago, <clears throat> and that week's sort of topic was about scope of practice. So uh, huge, huge practitioners and, and PAs, yeah. not against nurse practitioners or PAs by any means. Love them, need them, all of that. Um, but, you know, like the reasoning behind some of it is, people think about access to care, for example. And mm -hmm. so that's one part of the system that's an issue, of course. Another part 
um, is about prior authorizations, right? That's like a huge issue. Just mm -hmm. first of all, that we have to do it every year. Um, and every, that, every time the same patient with the same drug. <laughs> correct. Um, if it gets approved the first time, you know, and then, and then oftentimes you can get it approved, but it's not affordable. Mm -hmm. And then for me, I'm, I'm having to give them second rate medicine right. because it's not affordable. <laughs> it feels icky yeah. sometimes, you know, I don't, you're, I don't you're, in, you're in cahoots with the system. You, you want to change the <laughs> Yeah. Like, so I'm like, I, I gotta at least do my part. I, I'm not so delusional that I feel like, you know, I'm going to be able to fix everything and everything's going to be happy-go-lucky and, and everything. And, and honestly, I guess that's my segue to living. People always ask me like, well, what do you, what would you suggest doing? And I'm like, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> you know, in Canada, it's socialized medicine. Um, most people know what that means. I used to think when I grew up in Canada from zero to 20, that that was free healthcare. Of course, it doesn't, it's not free, free. Um, it just means it's rolled into our taxes. Right. Um, but there's there's major issues with that too, right? Um, long waiting lists, uh, not enough doctors, big problems in rural places, which right. is the a lot. Prob the problem I see though is when I hear people saying that, they mm -hmm. compare it to the FAST system. And the FAST system in the US is if you've got the money, you can get the FAST system. If you don't have it, you could be waiting 10 years to get something. No. Right. And I, 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 oh, absolutely. And I saw many, many, many patients that way mm -hmm. that actually had no idea they even, because I saw them many times when they finally got Medicare, for example. So that's 65. Right. Many of them, and here in San Antonio, we have a lot of diabetics, will tell me that they haven't been to a doctor in 10 years yeah, and afford it. Nothing, was, nothing was wrong with them until I told them they had diabetes. And it was my yeah. fault, of course. Um, so a little numb in the foot, maybe, you know, it, maybe it, go to the bathroom it, it a lot. <laughs> um, it, it's a tough situation because I feel like more than ever, and maybe we've always been in the middle between the patient and the system, but mm -hmm. I really felt the crunch in the last few years where I was always the patient advocate. And, but at some point, I had to explain the patient's insurance to them. Like yes. it was as if I was being attacked or we were being attacked about why somebody has a type of insurance. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, you know. Um, I'm just saying, I don't know. Like I don't, my, my hands are tied and it's an awful place to be. Um, so in Ireland and the UK, they had, I haven't checked recently, but it's like a it's, two tier system. Yeah, and there's still a two-tier system. It, yeah. They are really, really stretched. COVID is completely... Right, right. I mean, I think everyone is stretched. Yeah. For sure. Um, but I think the two-tier system is a reasonable place to go um, because I just don't know. I don't know how we're going to come back from where we are mm -hmm. without it truly imploding, which I thought happened, but I guess not. <laughs> but it's it's on the way there now. Officially. Well, you look at how many doctors have prematurely yeah. retired from medicine for a lot of different reasons. Yes, yes, yes. But you know, for yeah. a start, getting sick themselves, right? Oh, <laughs> not yeah. being able to take the time to recuperate properly when they were very, very ill. Yeah, is, has always yeah. been an issue for doctors. But mm -hmm. there were so many doctors affected by COVID themselves. Um, yeah, it's 
I mean, it was really yeah. shocking. You realize a hundred thousand dog food. That's that is. We only got about seven hundred thousand to start with. They're really working clinically, right. and only <laughs> I think forty thousand grabs residency grabs yeah. or thirty thousand mm -hmm. or something. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to replenish them. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, I say that, and then I'm like, well, me too, in some ways, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yes, I'm going to go back to clinical medicine, but I'm going to go one day a week, and I'm going to be working at the free clinic mm -hmm. in town. So you lost me too. I mean, it may not be forever, but it's probably going to be a gap mm -hmm. of some kind, right? So I don't know what the solution is. I just know that I'm working towards. So, so you think you, you'll, you'll keep your foot in the door because you'll be working in a clinic with presumably oh, yeah. very primary care medicine. <laughs> um, well, this particular clinic is actually mostly HIV care and prep prep care and um, STD testing. Um, okay. But I'm hoping one day that I'm gonna be able to start their primary care area. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I used to do when we lived in Kentucky. Uh, but we'll just have to, I'm, just, I'm kind of taking it in stride, which is new for me. <laughs> <laughs> is that because you had the same disease most doctors have where you're like, Okay, I'm working for this goal. Okay, now that's the next goal. And that, and you don't like look outside the... And I don't even think that's like doctor specific. Now that I've been coaching, um, so I'm also health and life coach because, you know, during the pandemic, mm -hmm. why not? Um, and I mean, as a primary care doctor, what, what, what do I do 90% yeah. of the time? Except now I have right. actual tools. <laughs> so I wish that we could teach every medical student this and everybody in high school. I'm trying to get my kids involved, actually, because it really helps you manage your mind. And yeah. really understand why you're motivated or not motivated to do certain things and why you do or don't attain certain goals. Mm -hmm. And like you said, high achieving people, which I think is a lot of people, and I, I want to say women especially, we are particularly hard on ourselves. Um, but at one time, like, like you were saying, it, it has served us to, to be goal oriented. This goal, mm -hmm. that goal, this goal, that goal. But at some point, I mean, I'm 41 now. I'll be 42 in a few weeks. And you poor baby. No, no, meaning like at which point, at what point are you point, like, when do you have just have fun in life? Yeah, when are you like, I'm not always trying to get to the next goal, or yeah. more importantly, like, when can I do both? When I can I right. savor the moment and evolve? And so that's my new words evolve. Um, because I was saying wanting more and it didn't feel good, it kept feeling like it's like greedy. Yeah, no, and not yeah. even that, just like as if I wasn't happy today, which I am. Yeah. I'm very content today, but I want to evolve. I will also want to evolve. Yeah. And I want to, to be, educate. To be everything you can be and and, yeah. and educate your children that that's possible for them. And everyone else. Well, <laughs> yes, but, you know, start with the circle. Ripples. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ripple, ripples effect. So oh, that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Okay. Would you mind... Going back in history, only 41 years, apparently. Sure. You were you were born in Canada. You're, I've been born... in the U.S. longer than you've been on the planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I still think of myself as English. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, no, no. I I was born in Regina, Saskatchewan. That's north of okay. North Dakota. That's mm -hmm. like, not most, most people don't know where that is. Uh, it is not Regina. It is Regina. <laughs> and I've, actually, I've actually been there before wow. you were born. <laughs> yeah, I lived so... I lived in Winnipeg for a bit. So I, oh, wow. I traveled to Saskatchewan for the There you go. So it is the prairie. I'm really just a simple prairie girl. My grandparents 
moved there, immigrated there, like in the late fifties. Uh, my grandfather was a neurosurgeon and I just had my whole life planned out, you know, like, because that's just what you do when you're from do a you small place. Do you think this culturally, obviously there's a lot yeah. of Indian doctors, but of course, oh, yeah. you know, not if you look at the entirety of India, but most sure. of the immigrants are computers and sure. doctors and engineers. Yeah. So do you think, had you pushed back, they would have been okay with it? And you, they just... No, I'm a doctor. Wouldn't you like to be a doctor too? Yes. And, and you just. Yeah, that's. I'm not sure I really thought about that. <laughs> um, I, I mean, my grandfather used to call it brainwashing and mm -hmm. I guess it worked. I, mm -hmm. I think that, you know, with good, with good intentions, obviously. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he also attempted to brainwash my sister, my brother, my, and my cousins. I'm the oldest, so maybe that's why it worked. Okay. Um, I had the longest amount of it, you know, or whatever. <laughs> uh, but none of them are doctors, and I don't okay. think so, any so they weren't ostracized from the families. No, we can no, assume no. you weren't really forced into it. You, you not at all. Not it at was. All. I mean, it, yeah. And of course, he may have recognized traits in you, even as young as eight. Maybe he said that was a good thing, fit for you. Maybe, yeah. In fact, my grandmother was always like, "Why are you making her do this? Like, why are you telling her that she should be a doctor?" In fact, he was originally saying like surgeon, you know, not just oh, okay, not just a doctor, uh, but surgeon. And um, at that time, he would say, um, you know, a cardiovascular surgeon. And so when I met my husband, Gabe, uh, who you know, uh, I said, "Well, I'm not going to be a cardiovascular surgeon, but I'm going to marry a vascular surgeon." So, you know, surgeon to surgeon, they go along great. Uh, but I think that, that yeah, growing up in a small place, you know, has its own culture. So, like, Canada has its own culture. And then our small, you know, I say small town, but it's like the capital of Saskatchewan. Like, it was 180. Right, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Now I think it's like 250 or something. But, you know, it it's not a small place for Saskatchewan. Mm -hmm. um, it's a city. It's our big city. And... There's a university, and there's University of Saskatchewan and Saskatoon, and that was my plan. Just go to college, become a doctor, and live there. Like, yeah, because everybody that's else. What we do. Yeah, it was great. My kids are going to go to the same <laughs> school as me, and you know what? A couple of my friends have kids that go to the same school we did, and great. You walk to school. I mean, it's, it's awesome. I mean, minus the few months of major winter. Yes, but they, at least they know how to handle it. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. They, we definitely know how to handle it in Canada. I don't even know how to handle it anymore here because... Well, no, if you've you gone to snow. one extreme to the other, yeah. How often does yeah, it snow in San Antonio? No, I don't want to wear winter clothes. Yeah. Like, even though it's 30 it's not degrees. Really win it's not really winter. <laughs> it might be 75 in four hours. So, yeah. Um, anyway, and then I went... So my parents moved to Texas. Um, and what, that, precip what precipitated that? Um, so my father was in real estate, is in real estate, mm -hmm. and we were visiting my aunt in Houston one Christmas of 1996 or seven, mm -hmm. and I think 1996 actually. And um, my mom's like, "Do you hear that? That's the AC. It's Christmas." And, you know, <laughs> she's like, "I'm done." Um, she grew up in, in well, she's from Africa, but she went to high school in Red Deer, Alberta, mm -hmm. and so I, I guess my mom was just like, "I'm done. Done with the cold." You know, I was yeah. like 16 years old, 15 years old. I don't know the official inner workings, but I was finishing high school. My mom was there in Canada. My dad was in Texas, like checking out the market. Mm -hmm. And then next thing you know, he's buying a building and we're moving to Texas. And I was like, oh, no, mm -mm, no, 
I'm not moving to Texas. It's it's hard at that age to move. Right. Well, I was gonna have to move somewhere, <laughs> I guess. Well, I mean, you you but it's right before college. You're still, you know, yeah. You kind of so, don't want to so operate the kids right of it. Right. I finished high school, and I and my grandparents were still there, and I even considered staying there, like just stick to the original plan, right? Mm -hmm. But something, I guess my dad said something along the lines of, I want you to go to the best college you get into. Mm -hmm. And at the time, U of R was not necessarily the best college, right? I was still like, why would I not go to the University of Regina? But um, I got into McGill in Montreal. And I was like, Montreal is awesome. My cousin used to live there. My cousin, lived, her family lives there. And I was like, this place, I love her. I love her family. It's like the perfect, like opportunity for me to convince my parents for me to go to Montreal mm -hmm. I was just barely 17 mm -hmm. and they agreed or something you know when I tell them now I can't believe you let me go to Montreal they kind of looked at me like yeah you know? um and then and then while I was there it was like a big of course upheaval of my life and I didn't even really know how to study um mm -hmm. so it was it was hard you know I partied and ate pizza and studied yeah and then i was like now i have to take my mcat and that's not that didn't go great and then one of my friends from high school went to school in dublin and i was visiting regina one summer and he's like dude it's awesome just apply just come here you know um mm -hmm. and i'm like really so i i had nothing to lose i was in my third year and i was like well i'll just apply it's based on your high school grades Right. Um, and your high school, everything, right? And it's six year from that, whatever point you go. And so I was like, if I get in, I get in. If I don't get in, I finish my undergrad and go back to, you know, mm -hmm. that. So when I got in, I was like, I don't, I mean, that those three years, I think in Montreal were the hardest, most stressful because the period of like, I want to go to medical school was the, just like- The, the complete uncertainty. That, yeah. Yeah. The looming thing of, I just want to be a doctor. I just want to be a doctor. All these other things are right. useless, wasteful. Like, that's what I used to think. Like, waste of time, not efficient, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, <laughs> and then I was, you know, going to Ireland right after 9-11. Scary. Nobody mm -hmm. was there. And I had to, October of 2001. And it was like I was moving to the moon. I didn't even know that Ireland was its own island. Like, I, I literally, I literally never knew that. I was, I'm, I'm from, you knew, I'm you from knew, you, you knew there was a North and a South, right? You knew about the troubles or no? I don't know if I did. <laughs> I, I was like 17 year old, naive Canadian girl, you know, like, I just didn't know I was in my bubble, but you know, of course, obviously that'll changed when I got there and six years go by in Ireland and I'm the feisty wannabe doctor like everyone else. And I'm complaining about how the library is closed on Sundays and only open from one to four on Saturdays. And, you know, my chemistry professor looked at me like, or you could just be efficient the rest of the time mm -hmm. and take Sunday off. And I'm like, this woman is crazy. <laughs> of course, the medical school of Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland has been around since 1800. So mm -hmm. I'm not sure why I thought it was going to like make some sort of revolutionizing changes. But that's what I came from McGill with 17 libraries and, you know, are open mm -hmm. 24 hours a day. So totally different thinking, but it definitely was what I needed. Mm -hmm. And I think that it literally took me six years and some to finally realize that less is more. 
Mm -hmm. and not always, but many times and slowing down for me, it was, is, and was really important. And I think I'm getting back to that where it's like, if you have brain space, you can think. Yes. So that's very important to give yourself some breaks. So your mind can be more creative. I mean, that's not, it's not American culture. No, no, quite the reverse. You just keep going, go, 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 go. Yeah. Right, right. And I think it's just because we're a new just country. Look at, just look at the number of holidays you get in Europe compared to America. Get two weeks. The standard, the standard contract for just Joe Blow employee is two right. weeks off a year. Right. That, that's from the 50s in Britain. It hasn't been like that for years and years and years. Think about right, right. Like four I mean, to six. And I don't know if it's necessarily, I don't think it's wrong. I just think it's different, right? Like, mm -hmm. It just is different and the thinking is different and we're already starting to see, you know, especially I think the pandemic sped this up where, you know, people are working from home, people are going in, people are talking about four day work weeks. You know, I mean, this is all mm -hmm. starting to evolve um, because, well, because we have a major mental health crisis. We've always had mental health problems, but, but now- So, so completely visible to people now. Yeah. It's, you can't really hide from it anymore. No matter who you are. Yeah. Do you think that is worse for the medical professionals? I'm not sure to say that it's necessarily worse. I just think that it is worse than it was before. Mm -hmm. And I think that medical professionals are, I mean, you know, you've seen the stats on nurses and PAs and doctors and the triple suicide rates. Yeah. Right. I mean, triple. And I think that just it is because we are human and we've been trying so hard not to be human mm -hmm. and to claim that we are superhuman, that the world proved us wrong, mm -hmm. you know? And if we aren't willing to accept some of that, then something's got to give. And your brain is like, sorry, no more. That. Yeah. And, and man, it's like really a sore spot for me for not really any particular reason. Thank God. I don't have anybody too close to me that this has happened to, but I do feel this compelling need to improve that. Mm -hmm. I mean, improve mental health in general and prevent physician suicide if I could, right? Even one. I don't know how or when or whatever, but I'm just going to get involved in doing my part. And you don't yet, you can't see how the system needs to change. I mean, we all know there's <laughs> lots of things in the system that should change, but but if how? if you if you had a magic well, I happened to pass your magic wand right now, what one thing <laughs> what one thing would you like to change first? Ooh first um i mean i think as a primary care doctor my first thing is less red tape about okay. things i order right i understand there's reasoning i know that there's reasoning i know that in the 80s things were taken the other way right like mm -hmm. we overdid it and i'm sure there was overbilling and i'm sure this is why we're in the boat and the documentation were blah 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 right but i, I really think that if we could take back a bit of power mm -hmm. 
that I would have less daily moral injury. Mm -hmm. And I think that the repetitive moral injury is what drives doctors out of medicine one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And and not just doctors. The feeling you're hitting your head against a brick wall. (laughs) Yeah, and even more so. Like, my my head is bleeding. And I keep Mm -hmm. doing it. And I can't not do it. I'm going to go to bat for my patients every time. And I keep running into a wall. And I'm going to keep doing it. But to my detriment. And obviously my patient's detriment. But my patient's detriment is my detriment. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what maybe people can't see. That this is, we are not doctors because we're, it's a job. We. One of the arguments though, that's, that's put forward for not having an NHS socialized mm-hmm. system here mm-hmm. is that that will mean there's more red tape and that doctors will lose autonomy. I'm not sure where our autonomy has gone, but it, it, we don't have, I mean, I started practice 40 years ago. I, there were lots of issues about the system then. There were no hour caps, you know, you just went to work and you passed out or they sent you home eventually. But, sure. um, <laughs> but, but I think that we did feel that we had, I mean, at least, you know, I was a peon, of course, sure. <laughs> but as you got higher up, you could see people actually could make decisions for themselves and, and for their patients and be able to impact now that same decision would require a lot of paperwork and a lot of back and forth with somebody who couldn't spell the thing you were asking for but they have the right to tell you you couldn't have it (laughs) i have actually been on the phone many a time with the insurance company so uh Mm -hmm. yes um and i i actually think it's meant to be that way because you can't argue Mm -hmm. with someone who doesn't understand yeah yeah, you know, and and I've had a few like you know obviously physician review cases as well, but I've been on on the and I'm a primary care doctor, so I'm not even talking about like life. Well, officially, they're not life saving treatments at this exact moment, right? Like, right. so I can only imagine the life saving treatments. I'm talking about like osteoporosis medicines for some reason that gives me heartburn because some of the really good ones are really expensive, but people really need them mm-hmm. and. Osteoporosis doesn't technically kill you. I mean, it will shorten your life eventually. (laughs) Well, if you get a hip fracture and you die of something else, I mean, obviously, right? Like, quality of life has gone down big time if you survive all that. Mm -hmm. Um, So it doesn't, you know, it's hard to see the correlation between osteoporosis, which is a slow disease, and treating it and preventing a fracture and preventing death. I used to have, even back in the day when things were better, we used to have to argue for. Um, kids who were in imminent danger of going into renal failure and we wanted to get ahead of the curve you had to wait until it actually happened yeah. before you could do it you know it's just yeah. that kind of stuff just makes me nuts and i think yeah, that yeah. is they i think sometimes the insurance companies think well it's okay if we don't prevent that illness by the time they actually have the illness they'll be in another insurance company so it'll be their issue oh, we can gosh. save well, money I mean, I that's not <laughs> i'm very cynical no 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 i hear you i hear you of course i mean Believe me, I've, it's not like I've never had that thought before. Um, I think, I don't know. I mean, I don't know the answer, obviously. Um, but I think it requires more than just, like, insurance companies. It mm-hmm. also requires some societal thinking oh, change. Yeah, and, and better, right? I mean, yeah, you can do things to prevent yourself getting diabetes. Oh, no, that, of course, that those kinds of stuff. Of course, yeah. lifestyle but change, also, for sure. But, 
but also having enough people in the educating of medicine space to have them learn those things. Yeah, but we used to educate them. Yes, and we and, don't have time now. Seven minute now increments are not enough. Yeah. Right? Like, well, I still I still did, which is probably put a problem. <laughs> and so, you know, especially I thought I thought getting my coaching certification was going to make me more efficient at, <laughs> at counseling. It just took me just as long, if not longer, but at least I, I think got so there. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think it was less repetition. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, like everyone knows that we should eat more fruits and vegetables and less fast food. I mean, that's not news, <laughs> you know, but how, and how am I supposed to get time to do that? And how do I create habits that will stack in order for me to be able to do that? And, mm-hmm. you know, like this, actually, I think it's stress. I think I, to be honest, my biggest, I believe truly that stress, we bring on so much stress and we don't have coping mechanisms for stress. I mean, of course, there's going to be stressors everywhere. Everyone has stressors. But the coping mechanisms are very much lacking. So mm-hmm. then we eat, we overeat, we overdrink. I mean, I mean, we smoke, do drugs, whatever, right? Like, don't sleep. I think those are the, to me, sleeping, drinking, eating. Mm-hmm. That, those are the three main issues that we have lack of control over. Mm-hmm. And, and that becomes then a downward spiral. And are so you, are, you going, are you going to advocate for taking advertising fast food off the table and everywhere? Yeah. <laughs> we got rid of we got rid of cigarette ads. We could do some of the other things that aren't good for uh, you. <laughs> I mean, you know, the thing is, is like I don't know if I think that if we just like you said, educate. If we can start educating earlier about coping mechanisms of stress yeah. because stress really gonna, exists. I, I also trained as a health coach back in the oh, day. Yeah. So, okay, well, so one, one of the things I think is that people don't, I, I don't know if they do have home economics in school anymore. People aren't know, being actually. taught to, to cook by their parents as much. Maybe Indian households are different, but not as much as it used to be. And, mm-hmm. and so if you say to somebody, no, you can't go out for a Big Mac every day. They don't know what else to put in there. It, they they know it's, you know, fruits and vegetables, but they need to be cooked. Now, how do I do that? What do I, you know, that's sure. the educational piece that seems sure. to be missing yeah. from the general population. Yeah. And I'm not speaking about people necessarily who don't have a good basic education. It's just no, no. that that isn't in there. And they feel, you know, I, I it won't look the same as it does in a restaurant. No, it won't. <laughs> but also, I think that we're just in a time in our society where we want a pill to fix everything, mm-hmm. right? Like it does take more effort. And I'm also guilty, right? Like we're all guilty for, I'm I'm not super creative in the kitchen, but, oh, mm-hmm. not even super, not creative in the kitchen. Uh, that's a, that's a limiting belief, I know. And, and, uh, but, um, and I'm, and part of my six months exploration here is actually to improve my meal planning thinking. But, mm-hmm. and, and if you listen to any of my other podcasts, I, I feel like I'm an advertisement for Green Chef and HelloFresh, but they're like, they're not paying me. Oh, they could, they should. Uh, but like, they're the greatest thing that ever happened to me because I had, to, I could take the like stress out of, for me, it's stressful to plan the meal. Like, yes. it's like, okay, go to the grocery store. Not even, I don't even go to the grocery store. Plan what I'm going to order from the grocery store. Okay, now I forgot something. I have to go to the grocery store. Now I'm like, now I have to put it all in place where I'm going to put it together and make it, right? Like, then it's like, which spice goes in here? I have to follow a recipe. No problem. But it's like, look at me. I mean, I'm already in a tizzy because I'm thinking about a meal. <laughs> now forget about seven, you know? 
Um, and so this has like been amazing for me, but it's not entirely affordable for everyone. No, it isn't. And, well, the, I mean, the good part of it is that they send everything that you need. And but yes. then, then, of course, your staples just sit there going stale because you get everything oh, that you well, need. Yeah, got, like, <laughs> our standard, like our standard rotating. And my kids take right. lunches to school. So, you know, and now that I'm home for lunch, I'm starting to incorporate more fruits and vegetables. Like this is all, mm -hmm. it takes planning and thinking and, and more than, and time. Right. And I think that that's what I've learned most in the last couple of years, just I used to drink vitamin water only. And my coaching partner um, is this French woman. And so we used to do Zoom and she mm -hmm. was living in the UK. And like, it was just, it was actually like embarrassing at one point where I was like, okay, I'm going to stop drinking. I, I drink water now. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, but it took me like four months to mentally decide that I wasn't going to drink vitamin water anymore. Did you like the taste or did you believe the hype? I just disliked water. Oh, okay. I couldn't I get it down. Yeah. I couldn't get it down. Like, you know, and so I'm like, well, at least I'm drinking something. And it says vitamin in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, look at it. I mean, I'm a doctor and a coach and I'm, I'm, I'm being vulnerable. I'm telling you, right? you, you know, it's not like I'm lacking education. Right, but exactly. It's not just about knowing what right. you're supposed but, to do. Or not. But of course, the more you do something, the easier it will get, and soon it yeah. will be second nature, and Practice. it won't it Practice. won't take you two hours to plan the week's menus. It will right, be right, 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 exactly, exactly, right. You know, we have our go-to meals, and I always order like that combination of right. things for the week, right? Like, but, um, but are you are you are you at the uh, Tuesday's meatloaf kind of? <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, Mondays are usually chicken fajitas because it's like easy go-to and Mondays, you know, are just always crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, but yeah. And then like weekends we end up cooking more just cause we have, I feel like we have more time and Gabe really loves to cook my husband. Mm -hmm. And so, and he's like creative and my love language is acts of service. And so I'm like, <laughs> I love it when I just like sit down and, and he's like, so now, and now we don't want to uh, steal his thunder, but but he's also yeah. th no longer clinical, right? Correct. So does he have more time to do those things, or has he got other things he's working on? I, I saw something. Uh, he definitely doesn't have more time. <laughs> but what we have established is that we both have more brain space mm -hmm. to then do the same things that we were doing, but mm -hmm. with more intentionality and presence. Like, because I think we were still doing all the things. Like, I was still picking up my kids from school. I was still making their lunches every day. We were still having dinner at home, you know, most days or whatever. We were cooking three to four times a week. I wish it was more. And mm -hmm. um, we would still go on, like, date nights, whatever. You know, like, we would still watch The Mandalorian on Wednesdays, whatever. You know, like, mm -hmm. um, but I feel like I'm just more, like, present. Right. I'm just a little bit calmer. Mm-hmm while doing it do you notice may not been enough time really but do you notice any difference in your kids um probably uh it's a, probably a little too soon to tell well you know Gabe has been off for two months and I think his calmness probably has rubbed off on my calmness well because mm -hmm. like actually he used to go in super early like 5 6 a.m so that he could be mm -hmm. home by 5 or 6 p.m. Um, and most days. But the unpredictability of it all 
is mm -hmm. what was a little bit like stressful for me, right? Like mm -hmm. just, you know, I always left my clinic by 3.15 to pick up my kids from school at 3.30, but then sometimes you'd call me and be like, I'm done or I'm in between things. I'm going to go pick up the kids from school. And I'm like, okay, I mean, that's great. But then threw you off. Mm -hmm. it threw me off a little, right? Like, and it's, it's a good thing, but then I get home. I'm like, but that's also, that's also, that's one of the great things that people don't realize. Stress is stress. It doesn't matter whether it's good stress or bad stress. I mean, True. obviously good stress is nice because you can be happy at the same time, but it yes. still throws off the system and it, it disrupts what you expect to do and dysregulates you. Right. And I, one of my things for 2023 is um, about well, it's actually the same thing I said in 2020. So now I'm scared to say it out loud before we had the pandemic. Uh, and it was to be more flexible. So I literally in January of 2020 said, this year I'm going to attempt to be more flexible. <laughs> it's, not that I'm, it's not that I can't be flexible, but my response in between. Something mm -hmm. happens that requires me to be flexible, but the in-between is like yeah, a tizzy. <clears throat> and I don't want the tizzy. I want to go from, because I don't like feeling that way. So mm -hmm. I would rather be more like, all right, here's the situation. I know I'm going to end up being flexible how do mm -hmm. i do this without the tizzy skip the bit in the middle yeah yeah just do it with calm calmness um i think one of the nicest things i heard which i didn't believe at the time was uh for one week we were to tell ourselves i have all the time in the world <laughs> oh, the first time i heard that i'm like this is ridiculous uh <laughs> you know <laughs> and but it I works it's amazing I'm, I'm very bad at that i really hate it when i plan to change because it requires moving all the other plans if something's just getting cancelled oh free time but when Maybe i have to bothered. move it to something else yes bothered but but at least yeah, yeah. you don't have to substitute something else sure no no of course but what yeah. tends to happen is a client can't come in and so I have to move it to another day and I have to figure right. out a day when something else is going on. And that, of course. Um, it, it doesn't, I'm not angry with them. I can, I can right. change, but it just unsettles me. I need to work on that too. So if you find a fix for that, let me know, please. <laughs> I think it's the thoughts in your head. Hmm, probably. <laughs> and I think that's why it works. Like I, I, I've used this example a million times and someday my kids are going to be like, well, I didn't know that about you, you know? <laughs> um, but so I, I told you that I'm not, I'm not creative in the kitchen. Um, I'm working on that. I'm not creative in the kitchen yet. Um, and I just like, I'm super unoriginal. So my kid and my kids are simple. And so I basically like this whole, like making lunches for them to take to school every day, just Mm -hmm. you know like I bought that book with like all the different like fun things you can make for your kids and shapes and all those things when they were like five but really my daughter just took a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and some other like fruit and vegetable every day right right you know just like all like, the hey, other kids in the class probably huh? maybe maybe <laughs> right but it was bother it was bugging me but even mm -hmm. then that became like I gotta get up early and make their lunches I gotta get up early and make their lunches you know then my second kid needs lunches now like and I'm like why can't you just eat at school you know, and one of my coaches was like, why can't they just eat at school? And I'm like, well, they, they don't want to eat that. And like, they won't. So they don't eat then. And she's like, so you're choosing to make their lunches. And I'm like, mm -hmm. no, I have to. And she's like, no. And that changed everything. Mm -hmm. Because for the first time, 
I actually learned what it meant to like cook with love. Mm-hmm. I just didn't ever, I, it was always just like, another it's thing a thing I have to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. I have to do instead of a thing I get to do. Mm-hmm. And I can't even believe I said that because I think that's the first time I've said that um, it, because it was neutral for a long time. Like, mm-hmm. okay, fine. I don't love making my kids lunches every morning. At least I got to, I choose to make my kids lunches every day. Fine. And it's really amazing. Like nothing has changed except I'm calmer. Enjoy the little things. <laughs> but it was the words in my head. I guess that's my point. Yeah. I think I've kind of dropped this here and there already, which is just that if I can do it, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Really. Like, I know that may sound crazy because now I'm this, like, really interesting, like, well-rounded, global person, but I'm from Regina, Saskatchewan. Like, I am a prairie girl who was lost, who was uprooted, who felt like the world was crumbling, who, mm-hmm. you know, who I think, I don't even know if I failed officially, but I did poorly on my MCAT. Like, I mean, I just, the point is, like, it's not even about being a doctor, but that if I can find a way to have time and space in my brain to be more present with my loved ones and myself and give myself grace, then so can you and mm-hmm. so can everyone else. And I think that what I've really learned is that, yes, being goal-oriented is great and it serves you in many ways in your life, but at some point, looking back and deciding if those thoughts still serve you. Yeah, and, then and, and re- re-examine your goals now and again. Re-examine your yeah. goals and thoughts is is worth i just remembered to ask how how big is the um the krishna and Arya uh empire of books now (laughs) i saw saw the coloring book i wish i could tell you really (laughs) really wish i could tell you that we're uh, you know selling 10 books a day um i just checked this morning we've sold seven this month um That's okay. And, you know, I think Gabe has probably told you, uh, you can put a link to his podcast on here about how it's really been an amazing passion project that like is so cute and our kids are so sick of it. Um, but like, it's so fun. Like Gabe has a book signing, um, at Barnes and Noble in June. Like, yeah, that's great. That's so cool. It's a very cute book. And, the, and you've got these knickknacky stuff too. You've got the coloring book and activities yeah. book. No, that's the activity that's book is pretty popular because you don't have to read, right? <laughs> It's pretty yeah. cute. I yeah. tried to make it too, not too, too easy. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of in between. It's probably for like six-year-olds. I never thought, I never ever imagined doing mm-hmm. or thinking about. Um, but it just goes to show you what you can do when it's for someone else. Yeah. Like in so many ways, like for my husband and children is what I, what I was, what was my driving force. And so why can't we do it for ourselves? I just don't understand. <laughs> like, you know. well go fix that and when you understand come back and talk right now about it <laughs> i love it yeah. <laughs> yeah if anybody wants to chat um i would be happy to um i think email is probably the easiest it's just amithakumar.md at gmail.com or my mm-hmm. website uh, dramithakumar.com it was lovely to talk to you again thank you so much thank you and good luck finding even more space in your brain so you can add even more things of interest creative things for you to enjoy and and when you uh, figure out what you're going to do in Austin let us all know thank you for joining us at Myth Magic Medicine 
If you have found this episode useful, you can apply for free CME credit through the link provided in the transcript. If you're not a medical professional, please remember, while we're physicians, we're not your physicians. So please consult with your own healthcare professional if you think something you have heard might apply to you or a loved one. Until next time, bye-bye.